I'm not sure why. Why? Why one more time? Frankly, honestly, I think the memory of the Congresswoman in history requires some clarity here. Um, can you explain where the mistake was made? Did the president, was the president confused? Was something written in the teleprompter that he didn't recognize? Can you just help us understand what happened? I mean, you're jumping to a lot of conclusions. No, but you're, but, but I... We are now entering the home stretch ahead of the midterm elections. For months, political analysts have said a red wave is coming. A referendum on inflation, illegal immigration, indoctrination. How are Democrats mitigating that red wave? It's why people don't trust people like you, because you peddle false narratives. And so we disabuse you of those narratives. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve... Well, welcome back to the Ruthless Variety program. It's going to be a high-energy program, but we want to start with our our thoughts and our very sincere prayers to the people of Southwest uh, Florida who are dealing with Hurricane Ian today. Uh, hits home for a couple of us. Uh, both Duncan and I, our parents, are basically in the eye wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad uh, sent me a video. He, they live in Sarasota. Sent me a video of their backyard. Uh, a lot of wind. Uh, yeah. A lot of wind. Yeah, old, old Jimbo, my dad, uh, said, well, it's uh, pretty windy here, pal. <laughs> one, it was 155 it was 155 miles per hour when he when he sent that text so classic midwest yeah so we're going to get to more of that here in a minute but we want to address what you heard up top which is such a frankly appalling um that was uh Karine jean pierre uh, the press secretary at the white house responding to a statement that the president made in indiana where let me let you hear it for yourself, and then we can talk about it. Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was, she was going to be here. Um, so oh God. what he's doing is asking uh, where Jackie is. Uh, Jackie Walorski, congresswoman formerly from Indiana who passed away tragically a month ago in a car accident. I mean, this is kind of like a an historic moment. I think this is the first time a U.S. president has had a seance, like live <laughs> during a speech. But, but, but Jackie, if, are you with us? Well, what 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 you didn't hear is that there was a video played right before Biden spoke, and the video was a tribute to former Congresswoman Jackie Walorski from Northern Indiana. She was a terrific Congresswoman. A lot of a lot of the friends of the program were very close with her. Yep. It was a tragic thing when she passed. But the president didn't seem to remember that, A, she passed, or B, he had just watched a video uh, memorializing her life and career. So, I mean, we've made a lot of fun of the president getting lost in his own words, clearly not knowing where he is at times. Uh, misunderstanding his own policy, right? Communicating things that are flatly untrue, only to be surprised when people throw it back at him that he actually said those things. This, in my view, is just like a way step above all of that, right? Well, well we've, we've been told it's a stutter, right? Right. It's a stutter. Um, clearly the president doesn't have the mental faculties he once did. Mm -hmm. This is profoundly embarrassing. I mean, it's just embarrassing. And it's, frankly, it's sad. Well, I mean, I, the thing is that, like, not just us, like, Americans aren't the only people who have to, like, deal with this, like, 
absurdity because basically what it is is that the press for so for so long has kind of been going on with the charade that it's very normal that Biden doesn't know where he is, constantly needs someone to shepherd him, where to walk, what to say. And and you always see his staff has to play cleanup whenever he makes a statement. The following day, you know, his, his staffers say, actually, he didn't mean to say that. Well, I mean, this is a very clear-cut case of him looking for an individual who he knows because, you know, he released a statement Bro, at the he, time of her death. He, he just, he has no sense of object permanence. None. I mean, he has the brain of a goldfish. Can we yeah. play the audio of him one more time? Just so you Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? Oh my God. I think she was going to be here. I mean, she was going to be here. She was going to be she here. She was going to be here. She passed away over a month ago in a car accident, but more importantly, the video tribute to her life and work preceded him coming on stage. So I did something that. Uh, what the fuck? I did something that no White House staff or, or journals have done, and I Googled dementia. And uh, it says here, but right at the top at alzheimers.org, it says, a person, a person with dementia may forget about a past bereavement. They may think that people who have died are still alive and ask you where they are. <laughs> well, that sounds like him. I mean, if that's like the top hit on Google, it's like a Google search. What's wrong with our president? That's, that sounds like him to a T. <laughs> I mean... And I mean, everybody talked about the 25th Amendment in relation to President Trump. What about the 25th Amendment in relation to this Dude, guy they made him absolutely take, brain dead? They made him take a cognitive test, and we've said it on the program for a while, but, like, Joe Biden has to draw a clock. I'm sorry. <laughs> Today. And there has to be medical intervention, and I need to hear from a doctor at the podium that tells me the President of the United States is in control of his mental well, faculties. I don't, I don't but, believe that but, expert, but, so it would take more than that. <laughs> yeah, Smug doesn't have to. But here's the thing. We laugh and we joke on this program. We like to make a lot of fun i think this is not funny that's it's not thing. funny it's i not. think this is the last straw where it's become so like the fact that so many journalists are now willing to discuss this like the ap even mentioned in a tweet that like the president seemingly uh didn't realize this member was dead and was confused and looking for them well you i mean like it's it's beyond being a joke or a meme at this point where the rest of the world now sees right, right. America is being run by a complete like and, and mindless his, zombie. And every one of his congressional allies follow him right into the abyss. Right, right. Like, here's the thing. The rest of them, every Democrat in Congress is like, yep, Joe Biden's our guy. Whatever he comes up with. Right. right? We're, we're, uh, we'll sign on the dotted line. They vote in block with everything that that guy what happens when he's in the situation room and he walks out 30 seconds later and he doesn't know what decision he made yeah he's gonna be like okay fire the nukes at khrushchev and everyone's gonna be like uh <laughs> khrushchev <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <laughs> well, well the, the media the media uh <laughs> the ayatollah khomeini <laughs> In, in a rare in a rare event, the media leaned in on his press secretary today. Let's listen to some audio. I think that she's living and in the room. I don't find that confusing. I mean, I think many people can speak to sometimes when you have someone top of mind. That is not an unusual uh, unusual scenario there. Marine, I have John Lennon top of mind just about every day, but I'm not looking around for him anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking around the room. Uh, for an audience member, a member of the <laughs> she passed away last month, it seemed to indicate she might be in the room. Well, so, what happened? Of 
course, she was on his mind. She was of top of mind uh, for the president. He said, Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? She was not here. <laughs> I totally understand. I just, I just explained. She was on top of mind. Uh, um, you know? If the late Congresswoman was top of mind for the president and her family was expected to be here, and that's what he was thinking about, what, why was he looking for her? I'm, I'm not trying to be snarky here. No, I mean, and I'm... Between no. what you were saying and what he said there. And again... I think people can understand. I think the American people out there who, you know, watch the briefing uh, from time to time, maybe at this moment, will understand when someone is at top of mind. No. So the creation of this, like, top of mind line is so weird because, I mean, she took a moment and was like, I mean, because, you know, this is like the press secretary. And that's the extent of, of, of what you can come up with is that, well, uh, you know, top of mind. Like, I and he was like, well, John Lennon's top of mind, but I'm not looking around for him. She's like, uh, well, I just addressed that, you know. Top of mind. <laughs> no, but, dude, can you imagine, like, and I think that, that Karine Jean-Pierre is probably one of the most underwhelming press secretaries we've ever had Super. behind that podium. Super I mean, underwhelming. First of all, she's an activist. She's a moveon.org activist yeah. who, of course, is emblematic of today's Democratic Party and that that's who you put out in front to speak for the president of the United States. Like, this is somebody who's... I mean, it's like Ashbrook always says, like, there is zero talent on the Dems when it comes to comms because basically the media is just copy-paste their press releases. Yeah, I mean, they're shocked that they're asking the question. But I will say, can you imagine her sitting at her desk watching that thing go down in Indiana (laughs) and (laughs) and her knowing that she's got to come up with something to try to explain... I bet, like at this point, that? at this point, Impossible. the White House self care is like not watching any pressers and just like, you know, getting the talkers two minutes before you hit the stage. Or else, like, can you imagine, like every morning, like every morning you'd wake up, it'd be like PTSD. Like the old man's gonna say some crazy shit again. It's gonna happen again. Like every other day, it's like you. you I bet they just turn the TVs off and are like, okay, I'll deal with it for that three minute window where you brief me and you hand me a notebook that I'm going to leaf through and act like there's some kind of a good answer for why Joe Biden's completely out of his mind. I mean, this is something This is something that, you know, maybe a grandparent or a parent says when you visit him in the nursing home. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, that is some sad shit. And then you talk yeah. with, with your with your relatives about, like, ah, she was good except for that one moment. Right. I mean, you the, know what the, I mean? The thing right. is that, like, you know, a lot of folks can relate to this in the sense that, like, <laughs> You may have experienced a moment or a time when it gets to this point with a relative and the decisions that are being made is like, so this individual, we're not going to let them drive anymore, right? Like, yes, that's not. Yeah. And they all kind of collaborate to figure out how they they get him away from the steering wheel. Yes. And and that's the thing is like, and and what ends up, well, at least in my experience, what ends up happening is that that individual feels a sense of relief. They're like, okay, well, like I was nervous about, about that. And I appreciate knowing that folks around me care. And, yeah, and, and and are looking out for me, or and, they get and, angry because you hide the car keys. Well, that but happens that's a, too. I mean, fortunately, in our in our situation, we you know we kind of like uh, uh, got ahead of, of of that point of where it's just like snatching the keys. But I think the thing is, is that like that's with a family member. This is the leader of the free world right. who can fire nukes. Right, and this is not just a one off moment that happens today in just like a, a fluke. This is a guy who's lost his, lost his mind years ago. Do you remember what he said? Chuck? Well, <laughs> yeah, well, you remember when he told Chuck to stand to stand up? Chuck, God well, love so, you. The, he told the guy he didn't have legs. This is, so so oh what God. we're talking about is when he was vice president, he did an event, I think it was in Michigan or something like that, and he was calling out people like dignitaries who were in the room. 
And he said, this guy, Chuck, oh, Chuck, you don't have a better champion than Chuck. Stand up, Chuck. And Chuck is in a freaking wheelchair and he can't stand up. And everybody, and all of a sudden, Joe Biden catches eyes with the wheelchair and he's like, oh, God. <laughs> uh, everybody else stand up for Chuck. <laughs> stand up for you should continue well, making it because, like, I, I think he's had for so long this halo of being like, oh, that's nice Uncle Joe. You know, the media has been pushing this story for decades. I mean, for the fact is, and if we're all being honest, I think a lot of people know the fact that Joe Biden is an absolute asshole. He treats people terribly. He's a bad person, generally awful person. But he's been given he's been allowed to skate off this whole like uh, myth of, oh, that's just nice Uncle Joe. He's such a nice guy. He's, he, it's, it's Grandpa Joe. You know, they try to soften the edges around this guy. And it's like, how many times are we going to have to put up with this? His, He's got to be put to pasture. His far left staff takes advantage of it. They inject they do. The, the worst possible ideology into his head, and they know that input is output. Do you remember what he said just a year ago about hurricanes? Oh, God. Yeah. A vital part of preparing for hurricane season is to get vaccinated now. I mean, are you kidding me? I got to tell you, when I talked to my dad and my mom this morning, vaccination didn't come up. No, no. You know, a lot about dad's medication. Yeah. You know, or or enough food and water or shelter. Nobody mentioned about upping that booster. Maybe a sandbag or two. (laughs) Nothing about a booster shot. I mean, it's just, it, but again, it gives you a perfect idea of like how ideological these people actually are. Mm-hmm. They were at that point last year, so in the midst of forcing vaccinations on everybody with the mandates and everything else, that they used the opportunity for a natural disaster for the presidential podium to say like, well, the best thing you can do to prepare for a hurricane is to get a fucking vaccination. <laughs> I mean, it just makes me irritated. It's a good segue back to the hurricane. Um, as we said, I mean, look, this is this is like extremely personal for for some of us. Uh, I don't know about you, Duncan. I take a lot of comfort, and I don't mean this in the political way. We do everything political on this show. But, uh, and I talked to my parents this morning about this. I take a lot of comfort in knowing that Ron DeSantis is in charge down there. That's a good point. And there is there is not a governor or a president or anyone who can stop 185 mile an hour wind. They can't stop the damage. They can't stop the sea surge. They can't stop all of the bad things that are about to happen or are happening to Southwest Florida. What they can do is make damn sure they can do everything they they humanly possible to help people survive the experience and get back on their feet. And I don't know if I trust anyone more currently to do that job than I do DeSantis. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, the most important thing with hurricane hurricane preparedness is like an open line of communication, everybody understanding, you know, who needs to evacuate, what the zones of disaster are, you know, where a storm surge will come and all of those sort of things. And I mean, I've been I've been pleasantly surprised by like how much my parents have prepared for it, that they understood the risks yeah, involved totally. in it and like where the storm is expected to go and where, you know, how much the water would rise. I mean, they knew it was like talking to a meteorologist, you know, and I mean, that's the most important thing. That's all you can hope for. Yeah, they know. Right. I mean, my, my parents are, are, are at this point, you know, not 
willing to go scramble around. They're not spring chickens, right? right? And so they have limited amounts of things. They can, they're certainly not going to go get stuck in a parking lot in a freeway somewhere. Yeah. So like they chose this option, but they had a week to try to prepare for it. And they feel like they've prepared for it. God willing, I hope, I hope that's enough. But the preparedness itself and the briefings that DeSantis has given on this, I think are great. I think we have mm-hmm. some audio. This is this is basically how the left-wing media is preparing for asking questions of Governor DeSantis prior to the landfall of this hurricane. Yeah, no, they're pressing him on the political talking points of some bureaucrat who works for Joe Biden. FEMA Administrator Chris Wall said today that she acknowledged concerns that uh, Florida, as, as was said, lacks response to the storm so far. And that whoa, 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 whoa. Give that. me a break. That is nonsense. Stop politicizing, okay? Stop it. We declared a state of emergency when this thing wasn't even formed. We've had people in here. You've had counties doing. Uh, they've done a lot of hard work. And, and honestly, you're trying to attack me, I get. But, like, you're attacking these other people who've worked very hard. And so, so that's just totally false. Um, I don't think we've ever, certainly since I've been governor, declared a state of emergency this early. Uh, we made sure that we were very inclusive with it. We said that there was a lot of uncertainty. And, and we've worked to make sure um, the preparations that have been done and all the this stuff, you talk to the people at the counties when they've needed something stuff gets there very quickly because of what kevin and his team have done i mean that's exactly how you handle that. yeah yeah well, look just look at the contrast between ron DeSantis and joe biden you've got ron DeSantis in total command obviously of his faculties and his ability to respond to the media when they try to you know tar him and ostensibly also like people down the you know the chain of command here who are executing their job at the local and the state and the county level like getting the whole state prepared for this hurricane and you got joe biden who doesn't know that a congresswoman died two months ago Mm. yep you know and like and the question from the journalist is um so i have a source who's talked about and lacks preparedness i mean and the thing is that to me that's just so ghoulish. I don't think Joe Biden's like, prepared to tell you what he had for lunch. It, 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 it's extremely ghoulish because the press realizes the threat that Ron DeSantis yeah. and his continued success poses towards Joe Biden and and the Democrat agenda. The, the like record of success that Ron DeSantis has down there in Florida, and a large to a large extent, and I think. Probably the defining characteristic of, of DeSantis as a governor is he suffers no fools. Like, he mm, does not give right. a shit about what the media says, about talkers. Like, you know, he's not like a lot of Dem governors will be forced to be like, I have to take a moment to acknowledge that this is due to climate change, which specifically targets right. pregnant men of color. Right. You know, like, the, he doesn't deal with any bullshit, and he's very goals-oriented, results-oriented. Which is the only thing drives him any of us want. Like, here's the thing. The right in this country does not want some like theocracy, you know, straight right wing. I mean, we, we're fairly reasonable human beings. You may smoke. <laughs> you may. But like most of us, we just want a government that sticks to its fucking lane, that does its job, right. that tries to provide right. clear roads, emergency preparedness. Right, a low level of taxation. You get what you pay yep. for. Good schools, shit like that. Keep right? the trains running I'm not, on time and, and no crime. I'm not asking them to to, to, teach, to teach them like my economic theory. Although it would be nice. Although it would be nice. I like people to make up their own mind, and I think that's most of conservative America. The left, on the other hand, is the opposite of that. Right. 
right? They're, they're, they're the, they, and this is just a perfect example. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I heard Amy Klobuchar doing this uh, on, on, on CNN today. Can you imagine taking the opportunity when a Cat 5 hurricane is slamming into millions of Americans in, in a state in this country to talk about how important climate change legislation is? It's beyond the pale. It's beyond the pale. And, and, and separately from that, you know, the media is one thing. But the person who that reporter was quoting was a bureaucrat working at FEMA for Joe Biden attacking the governor of Florida. That is Think disturbing. about that. You mean they, they... A day before a hurricane. Exactly. Think about that. These are people, these are Americans who are living in Florida who are doing their best to, to manage a difficult situation. And Joe Biden's top bureaucrat at FEMA, their first thing on their mind is to attack the governor of the state. So here, so I, uh, I've mentioned this before. I have contacts within this White House. I occasionally talk to folks, which on makes their side. you a cuck. No, I mean I, I talk to these <laughs> right, folks because right. I no think, other Republican. I think it's it's priceless intel, right? And about six months ago, that's what I, Romney I, I, says. Six months ago, I, was, I grabbed drinks with some of these left wingers. He's, he's the he's the he's the Maggie Haberman of the Biden administration. And, and what did what did they say to me? They said the Republican we're most worried about is Ron DeSantis. And of the course fact they are they, because the fact that they drum out the the FEMA director to take a shot at him right. is so disgraceful. Because Ron DeSantis is a leader, Joe Biden wouldn't even be able to read the sentence that was in front of Ron DeSantis. Well, he he's out he looking for it. Jackie Walorski in Where's Indiana Jackie? today. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and, how and, how can you imagine? First of all, like all the shit that George Bush took for Katrina, which granted there was some of that was well deserved. But in all of that, that White House... I don't think it was. None of that ...focused was. all of its attention on Katrina exclusively. Right. Right? This guy, on the day of a Cat 5 hitting Florida, is looking for a dead woman. And here's the thing. It is unbelievable. The worst president we've ever had. And it's then, incredible. Yeah. Like, like the journalists have already started politicizing this when they're taking shots at DeSantis. This administration has already started politicizing this, taking shots at DeSantis. They don't understand the politics of this situation is, let's say uh, Ron DeSantis does an incredible job and, and, and does everything he, he can and helps the people of Florida to the most capabilities possible in this crisis. Everyone's going to say, Wow. Good job, Joe Biden. All the journalists are going to be like, Joe Biden helped take care of Florida, right? Let's say he blows it. Everyone's, uh, every journalist is going to be like, wow, Ron DeSantis blew it. There is zero upside for him to do his job, but the thing is that DeSantis he just doesn't does his shit. job. He does it anyway. He doesn't he give a shit. He just does yeah. his he job. He just does it. Nothing more American than that. Exactly, and that's why we love him here on the Variety Program. That is a, uh, I think we started off hot, fellas. Yeah. We did. Couple yeah, we did. Of, couple of hot topics. No. That's the pre-show. Well, that's just the pre-show. No, that's just banner. <laughs> that's just banner. Now we're going to get going. The hurricane is a real deal. I mean, we it have is. a lot of listeners in Florida. You guys have parents there. I've got a really good friend who grew up in Venice Beach, and, and he, I mean, they evacuated. But like he said, the eyewall of the hurricane's been sitting over his house for hours. Yeah, mm. yeah. And you just like, it, it is a different situation when you live down there so again like very serious where our hearts go out to everybody who's dealing with that yeah a lot of prayers uh for those folks clearly Mm -hmm. they're going to need it and they're going to need a lot of our help 
on the back end of it. We've talked a lot about natural disasters all over this country. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We need to. We, and, we and, should. And any sort of relief efforts that take place afterwards, we'll you get can it bet out. We're going to be out there. We're, we're going to get it up. We're going to suss it out to make sure that you're not giving us some democratic uh, outfit that's like uh, feeding the hungry in yeah. Minnesota that gave out for Bail a couple fund. hundred billion dollars of like democratic activist money. Uh, this is going to be real, and we'll make sure to vet that stuff for you at the appropriate time. In the meantime, and it's a good segue to tell you about our guest, um, this guy, Jim Schultz. We met him when we did our Minnesota event. He showed up at both Ruthless events. That's right. In Minnesota. And he did it on his own volition. We didn't know him from anybody. He showed up like anybody else would buy a ticket and show up to these things because he was a fan of the program. Um, but we got to know him there. And it turns out he's running against Keith Ellison. Mm-hmm who is, I would say, like the grandfather of the defund the police movement nationwide. Like, this is a guy, when he was in Congress, was so radical, he was basically the squad before the squad. Yeah. Right? He was Rashida Tlaib and 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 Omar and the rest of them before they actually got there. Like He's he, the, the tip of the spear of what we've seen across the country with George Soros funding all of these radical DAs and attorneys general yep. who want to defund the police, want to let violent criminals out of prison, and want to decriminalize, um, you know, petty theft and things like that. Like, all of that, the ground zero of that is in Minneapolis, and it starts with Keith Ellison. It starts with Keith Ellison. And, you know, if you needed to just not take our word for it, but look at what's actually happened, is the fact that Minneapolis was never associated with any of that shit before he became attorney general. Yeah. Right, and then immediately after, with the George Floyd protests and everything else, what riots, you saw riots—they were riots. Yeah, they were riots, and well, they're st- and they're st- and they're still still dealing with it today. It, it, they're still dealing with it, but but the 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 most active that office ever got was in prosecuting police, and I'm not even talking about the George Floyd situation. I'm talking about other law enforcement actions. They have a great zeal for going after the cops. Mm-hmm. They have precious little to say about the actual criminals who the cops are trying to apprehend and keep their communities safe. This guy, Jim Schultz, stepped up, never run for office before. He's a serious attorney uh, in Minneapolis. He's from a small town in Minnesota. He was like, well, if not me, who? And I got a lot of, I mean, just a lot of admiration for anybody who does that in this circumstance. And he's nipping on Keith Ellison's heels. I just saw a poll that showed him just a couple points down in Minnesota. Let's go. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is for the longest time, the left, especially these left-wing dark money groups have realized this is such a point of pressure because if you can buy an attorney general seat, which they have been doing across this country, and we've seen the resulting chaos, you know, a lot of folks don't know that they should be paying serious attention to an attorney general race because these folks i mean you look at all these left-wing dark money funded attorney generals they're just legalized crime yeah no no they legalize so this is a really really important thing i think it's the most important race in terms of sending a message to defund the police nationwide yes federally state whatever i think it's that that's why he's on the program i hope you enjoy that interview uh we also have a sponsor for today's program uh, we have the Common Sense Leadership Fund, which you've heard from in a number of different times from Kevin McLaughlin from yes. the program, talking about how Dems are basically trying to get this censoring free speech under the guise of holding tech accountable. Safety. 
Yeah. We're just going to keep people safe. Yeah. So they've been making great strides. Great strides. The Republican support, I just read yesterday, totally waning. Oh, no. Yeah. I saw <laughs> Jim Jordan, God bless him, always been a champion of freedom, just begin to sort of poke holes in this, like, is this really about holding tech accountable right. uh, argument? I mean, they're doing a really, really good job. I have to believe the Common Sense Leadership Fund uh, sort of paving the way for all this is making a substantial difference. Uh, but it doesn't, you know, look, Klobuchar, Amy Klobuchar and Chuck Schumer are intent on getting this thing through. And so from my perspective, we got to stay involved. We got to stay active. Go to the Common Sense Leadership Fund if you want to read more about it. Super important stuff for us to uh, keep our eye on. Um, with all that said, boys, I think we got to read a couple of five stars. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, Smug, do you want to take the first one? <laughs> I feel like this one's up your alley. <laughs> all right, let's see this. Uh, this is from Dylan B. A. Z. So I'm guessing Arizona. It says, one all-time line, five stars. Why, quote, the turkey drags his gobbler across his face. <laughs> I'm really glad you made him read this I one. I know. Yeah. It was strategic. Seriously, though, my introduction to you guys was the, quote, knock three times cover. That was brilliant. I, who, who put that? Was that Duncan who put Duncan that? Duncan did that, yeah. What a hero. Excellent Great one. Great idea. Uh, the knock three times cover I heard on Megan Kelly. Have been listening and laughing ever since. Thank you so much. Keep up the great work, especially those long-form interviews with candidates. Grant, it was a first impression, but Harriet Hageman out in Wyoming might be a rising star. I think so. If readers of this review haven't had a chance, go back and listen because her responses in the interview were a blueprint for how we win. Stay ruthless. Oh, that's Mm. a great Great review. review. Great review. The the old gobbler. Yeah, we like that one. You're going to get more gobbler in a couple of months when we do our turkey day. Can't uh, wait. It's a tradition now. It's a tradition. A tradition unlike any other. I'm already thinking about how I haunt my relatives (laughs) with that. Uh, Smash, we got to get the deep voice involved. Okay, this is from BritAB96, titled, A Great Addition to My Rotation. Hey, fellas, I first heard you on the Megyn Kelly podcast and have listened ever since. The knock three times bit a classic <laughs> got me hooked, man. Duncan, Did Duncan pull, pull these? Is this no, no. no. <laughs> I feel like I feel like McDaniel pulled these. I Death feel like Duncan, Duncan just did an Ashbrook in terms of the yeah, uh, right. site selection here. Right, 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 right. This is from Indianapolis. <laughs> well, the knock three times bit got me hooked, as I just love your superb mix of humor and solid political analysis. I've never truly felt more in the know about what's going on in our nation's politics from Senate races to policy. Thank you for helping this just barely a millennial become more informed. I love that. I do too. I love that. This next one's from Karen D. in Sarasota. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) This is not from my mom. And the the name... <laughs> the title is Duncan and Smug on Timcast IRL equals perfect. This is Karen D. I swear I did not pull these. McDaniel McDaniel pulled these. Okay, here's the here's the 
Here's the review. I was so happily surprised to see you both on the Timcast IRL, Beautiful Humans. I thought I listened to everything Ruthless does, but was so happy to see Duncan and Smug on another podcast I frequent. Love you all very much. Please keep it all going. That was, and that was such a blast. It was a blast. Let me tell you, it was so fun. Yeah, you guys did a great such job. Such a great out time there. to be had. I, I mean, we should definitely go back. Yeah, no, awesome. And it's also, I mean, look, it's part of our philosophy here at the Ruthless Variety Program. There's an awful lot of, of both liberals and conservatives that see each other in each other's lane. Mm-hmm. And they try to compete and, and talk shit amongst each other about, mm-hmm. like, why they should be listening. That's not our view. Our view is that the more conservatives that are involved, and I don't care how you come into the ecosystem, if you come in through Timcast, if you come in through, you know, however you come in through, we prefer if you come in through the Ruthless Variety program, obviously. But either way, like a rising tide lifts all boats here. And that's what we're saying. Like, when we, you know, we were there late, much to the chagrin of Mrs. Duncan. Um, <laughs> but we're hanging out. We said to them, like, we firmly believe in there is so much more uh, uh, that can be done for our cause and our side if, if everybody just, like, works in concert. Right. Works in concert. Like, there's no need for any of the sniping totally. or any of that. So we're trying to be a bridge there. And I honestly... I'm very pleasantly surprised about the level of mutual sort of acceptance of that point of view that there has been. Yeah. yeah. Right? Poso. Yeah. Cernovich. I mean, we had, we've had we had a number of people on here who you wouldn't think we could be friends with that not only are we friends with, we, like, it's a collab. Yeah. Poso especially, like, the dude's very very smart yeah i mean it's just all it's anyway it's it's fun and it's a good place to be and especially when we're trying to build a red wave together um so last week we gave you an update on something like an inside baseball deal Mm -hmm. that was happening inside congress that really irritated all of us duncan especially got a little hot duncan especially but but what that was was that joe manchin evidently made a deal with chuck schumer when he decided to throw in on the Inflation Reduction Act. What was it, 30 pieces of silver? Is that <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what he decided to do was completely lie to the people of West Virginia and the American people about what he was willing to support, and then subsequently supported an inflation-increasing, tax-increasing, uh, green energy-promoting, fossil fuel-demoting plan that hurts his state and the rest of the country, and we've seen it now in the six weeks since as inflation has gone up and gas prices are back up and everything else. Like it, we, the proof's in the pudding on what actually happened there. But as he sold out, what he what he con- got as a concession from Chuck Schumer is that he would put this quote unquote permitting reform mm-hmm. bill on the CR, which is the continuing resolution. It's called. All that's a bunch of jargon to say that's the bill that actually funds the government. It's the one thing that has to pass every year, like in order to keep the lights on at the Capitol, Social Security checks coming out, all that stuff. It's the one thing that everybody agrees you have to do. Chuck Schumer said he would staple this priority of Chuck Schumer of uh, of Joe Manchin's to that and dare Republicans to oppose it. Right. And we said last week it was extremely important that you don't get pushed around by this ass. None. None. Right? Extremely important that a sellout liar like Joe Manchin be called to the carpet once and for all and just dragged in front of the American people. And to our friends who are listening in West Virginia, 
you know, like submit your choices to me for who you want to see run against Joe Manchin. I will support anybody running against him. He's got to go. He has to go. I'm so sick of his bullshit of how he's tried so many times to act like, oh, you know, I'm just like a nice normal Virginian or West Virginian, and 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 you know, I'm 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 a conservative. I'm I'm the old kind of Democrat who used to believe not in socialism. Listen, the guy basically just like voted for a backdoor Green New Deal. Right. Enough's enough. And then he he's got to go. And then they ha- he had the gall to come to Republicans and be like, hey, help me fix this. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I need your help. Says. He gets nothing. Can you help me? He gets me? nothing. He gets a and, ticket home. And the best part of all of it, what I really enjoyed was after this deal you know gets the kibosh from senate republicans you love to see it Mm -hmm. you got joe manchin out there crying like a baby like an absolute baby you know i'm so disappointed with the rancor in washington oh i can't believe i can't believe it partisanship which i authored about the past only with democrat votes decrying the partisanship just all aw shucks bullshit from a famous fucking liar who lives on a houseboat on the potomac and you know talking about how west virginia is being put first fuck you dude here's the thing is like i I love west virginia (laughs) to death because to me west virginia is more emblematic than probably of any other state in america that like the government could never put down and force to submit right you are never going to force west virginia to submit the people there just will not put up with it i don't know why for so long they've put up with joe mansion like it makes no sense to me that is like truly a ruby red state and they have this guy who he's for done. so long he's done has played the like dc insider game of like hmm i don't know where i'm gonna vote how are you gonna sweeten the pot for me Guys lied over and it's and never over been like again. swinging the pot for West Virginia because what he voted yes on is basically crippling West Virginia's prices on co- oil and gas and everything else. So he's always looking out for himself and not West Virginia. And like I think for too long people have like suffered this fool and he's got to go home. Totally. Say what you will about Mitch McConnell, and I know there's varying opinions in the conservative movement. I personally love him. Obviously, I've made that clear. But there's one thing you have to concede no matter what, and his record proves this out. If you're going to fuck this guy over, he's not going to forget about it. I hope not. He'll never forget about it. I hope not. But what do you mean you hope not? You hope not. When is he in cycle? Is Manchin in cycle in two years? Is it two years? Yeah, Yeah. two Two years. years. All right, well, I want to see some serious shit. I want to see like so well, much money to worry spent about to get that. rid of Mansion. I don't. He's got to go. I don't think you have to worry about that. But th- you, I think you, this is you, a perfect example. You you had to ask when he's in cycle. McConnell knows. <laughs> <laughs> I think the biggest thing is that this guy. This is the number one priority he wanted, and it's something that that some Republicans have talked about, and they felt like this guy. You know, he was given it like the Democratic treatment. It was like a soft treatment, and McConnell sort of exploited that yanked up their own alternative to how they would do it if they had the majority, convinced his colleagues that, like, you don't sell short and give that guy that backstabbed you Mm -hmm. what he wants. He will get what he wants the second that he agrees to the Republican legislation in a Republican Senate that undoes all the bullshit that he passed. Yeah, that's a good point. How about that? How about that? Or you can just go home. He's got to go. We can back to West Virginia. Enjoy your Mountaineers or your Marshall football, whatever the fuck it is that he watches, and get the hell out of government because you, sir, are a liar. What? How does he get? Can the we house run boat? Randy Moss against him? Can we bring a Marshall? Like, can we run Randy against? Him? How, how do you I get love that Randy? House, but Randy sure delivers. Can he take it up the Potomac, or does the water get a little too rough? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's gonna have be. to fjord the river. <laughs> 
ford the river whatever i mean that's the thing is like we have to stop dealing with variables in the sense that like you never know oh joe manchin because he relishes the ability especially right now where kamal is like the 51st vote in the senate he relishes the ability to play people and trick people and lie to people and steal this shit especially people who need EpiPens. joe manchin's daughter is the ceo of a company called mylan they overcharge people for EpiPens. And their family has gotten unbelievably wealthy. If you're from West Virginia and you need an EpiPen and you've paid too much money for it, vote no on Joe Manchin. <laughs> yeah, that so felt Ash like it had, really rolled up with the receipts. It, it also, yeah, it also, it also <laughs> felt like it had. Ash really had enough of Joe Manchin. <laughs> it also felt like it had a little bit of Mayor Pete kind yeah. of like uh, <laughs> anger there. He I've, always I've calls out Mayor Pete. I've had it. I've had it. Mountain families rely on someone to stick up for them. And they have this phony piece of shit standing (laughs) in Washington saying, oh, what can I do for you, Chuck Schumer? And you know what people need? They need somebody who's going to stand up to the Chuck Schumers of the world. They don't need somebody who's going to placate them. I love it. I love it. Uh, Do you guys want to hear some animal news? Of course. Always. Always. Uh, So there's another animal attack. This one surprised me, actually. This is from 6ABC. Uh, a Portuguese triathlete was attacked by a seal on a training session in California Beach. He said he tried to grab the seal's teeth and open its mouth to get it off of him, but he was unsuccessful. Vasco Velaca, a 22-year-old who fish- finished in second place in the Super League Triathlon in Munich last weekend, was in Malibu training when the seal bit his arm. <laughs> So I mean, like before we even continue the story, I'm I'm like uh, very anti seal. They're a horrible, horrible animal. Any any of these people who club seals, God bless you. What? Doing God's work. But hold club on, them all. you're going to find out why it is that he had such a problem. He said he <laughs> attempted to safely get the animal off of him without distressing the animal. There you go. There you go. Well, he deserved what he got. Listen, there's a tried and true answer to the seals. Club you, it. You club, club it. That's like the one weakness of a seal. You club so, them. No, the one weakness is you hit it in the head with a hard object. <laughs> I think a lot of animals have that weakness. No, but we know it works. I'm clubbing re- seal clubbing has been. No, I mean, we've done it for generations. Hey, it's not exactly a secret. Uh, so I, I remember. I remember long ago when I was just like a, a, a young child. Like uh, uh, my family. Pretty much the only channel I was allowed to watch was PBS, right? So like it's it's night. I'm watching one of these. We're watching these animal shows, and seals are the worst animals on earth. <laughs> really? They kill. Yeah, they kill each other's children. Really? Like little baby seals. If if it's like not their seal, they'll just crush it. No. They're like I'm not even gonna deal with you. Like trying to go take a swim. I'm gonna crush you. Like out of malice. Let me ask you. Like qu- other than humans, I think seals are the only creature with malice. Let me ask you a question. Dolphins. Dolphins have malice. Dolphins do they? Yeah, but they're I, smart. I, I think they should die too. But I'm no, like anti. Oh my god, you're anti-dolphin. Yeah, they're. Let's horrible. set that aside for a moment. <laughs> I need to ask a question. Koala. Yeah. Seal. So I think koalas aren't malicious. I think it's like a, a self-preservation thing because they're like, I'm in Australia. All the animals here are like Darwin's greatest mistakes. Like God yes. sent all his like greatest <laughs> experiments here to Australia. I've got to deal with like. I don't know, like poisonous snakes that have pouches. You know, like every fucking combination of horrors exists in Australia. So, of course, a koala is going to be a real bastard of an animal. They all have syphilis. You know, you got to enjoy yourself in one way or the other when you're surrounded by nightmares. Wait, is it syphilis or chlamydia? No, it's gonorrhea. Gonorrhea. One of them. Syphilis, gonorrhea, chlamydia. They have them all. I mean, you name it. You name it. 
Uh-huh. They have it's like the villages. Which a bad time. I'm bad sure. The, I'm, I'm sure the villages is like under, under distress currently. But you know what? Batten down the hatches, folks. Enjoy yourselves. I'm for waiting a for of interest days. rates to go down and yeah. find a place there. <laughs> <laughs> but but seals, meanwhile, have no excuse to be such a terrible creature. So like so right. so, so the thing is that like it, this is twofold. Number one, I think you should just like butcher the seals. Um, <laughs> butcher the butcher. butcher. So I have I have a, a, a somewhat related hilarious story. So. I can't I, I wait was, to see hear where this goes. So I was, uh, uh, this is when I was in high school. There was an uh, AP biology class, and like the majority, I, I think it was like forty percent of our grade was the final paper, right? And I've always been just an asshole. And so uh, the AP bio or environmental science, one of these hippie fucking sciences, um, <laughs> they were like, okay, your final thesis, you have to support it with data or whatever. And so I said, I looked at like uh, uh, these predictions on what ocean levels would rise to. And I oh, said, there's a very goodness. obvious solution. You have to kill all the whales. Because if you kill all the whales and you get them out of the ocean, it would completely counter. And, and this is a scientific fact. It's yeah, like, yeah, like when you get out of the tub and the water level goes yeah, down. Yeah, it's, it's just it's cubic feet. Wild right. how I calculated, like, it's wild how I calculated. It's water displacement. Like, yeah. it, this is very simple. Like you just, you know, you go to Google, you, you, you calculate uh, uh, how many of each whale species by the number that are there and their volume. And you multiply it. And I'm telling you, it was an exact, like, within, you know, an inch match of, like, all these projections. What a brilliant move. So I was like, just kill all the goddamn whales. Simple. You know, problem solved. Yeah, sure. That won't impact the ecosystem. And, like, <laughs> and I, got, I, got, I mean, it won't. Dude. The ecosystem is more like left-wing bullshit. And then you burn the fat for fuel. That's right. Whale oil. Whale oil. That's a green, green new deal right yeah. there. That's green energy. I can't you know, imagine what could a fuel, go wrong. Light a whale on fire. Uh, so they were, <laughs> they were displeased. You know, my my teacher was very displeased by this, and that taught me from 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 the very beginning. When you take like a left wing attitude towards a these left, animals, a left wing attitude. First of all, killing every whale in the ocean. <laughs> the opposition to that is left wing. And so and so this guy's getting attacked by a seal, and he's trying to worry about like, am I marginalizing a seal while yeah. this guy's like killing me? Well, there you go. So left wing attitude towards the animals. You got you got to kill the seals. You got to. If if it's you or a seal, a club is the only club thing them all. Do. Take the club, club. Them all. right? Take the. Right. We've talked about it before. We'll talk about it again. Club the goddamn. It's seal. a nasty animal. It's yeah. a nasty animal, and now we know somebody who's a victim. Uh, guys, we have a very important penis update. Um, we're really oh talking God. about this. Yeah. Well, uh, McDaniel put it in the document. I'm going to read it. I understand. McDaniel, blame McDaniel. Don't okay. blame me. Okay. Right, I mean, okay. you always say that like I'm the pro- responsible for penis. And I and I told him this morning because he told me he warned me because I'm always like, and rightfully so, you know, I like having a family friendly show. I like having a family friendly show, and he throws in these these innuendos. There's certainly nobody who is more committed to family friendly than you are. <laughs> That's smart. me, no question what, about it. Could you just remind the the listeners what P NAS stands for? Yeah, it's the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, yeah. mm. which is a very distinguished body. We've highly come respected. to learn highly respected from the Washington Post and others. Well, it now reveals that uh, mothers who had recently given birth. Uh, uh, could f- uh, well hey, listen. Let me cut to the chase. It's about chickens. <laughs> <laughs> what's another? What's another term you could use I for love chickens? You, are you really going to push the envelope on this? It is about male chickens. Mm. <laughs> Interesting. And, and the male chickens just turn down the volume. Parents turn down the volume. The, if you're in the put, car. Put on the Bluetooth. The ma- what, what is a male chicken called, Michael? 
Roosters. A rooster. Roosters. What is another word? Like is South Carolina You're going to make me version. say yeah. chicken. A cock. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what they're called. So this is a study. A he, him, chicken. <laughs> this is a study about big cocks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will never forgive McDaniel for this. <laughs> this is a family show. <laughs> I don't even, I can't get through them. <clears throat> that's literally what the study, I'm not being profane, that's no. literally what the study and is. And that's even what they like say it as, like when you why read the we, headline of it. Like, <laughs> I guess we, it's like a scientific term. Why don't we dive into the study, the biological, uh, biocultural origins and dispersal of domestic chickens in order to understand when, where, and how they first became associated with human societies, which... Have you ever associated a chicken with human society? No. Well, yeah, I mean, like domestication. The domestication of animals. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, guys. We take You're, their we take their eggs. Yeah, me and Duncan. Okay. Yes. Yeah, seems, seems like it's worth spending taxpayer money on this study, but whatever. We critically assessed the domestic status of chicken remains described in 600 sites in 89 countries and evaluated zoeographic, morphological, <laughs> ostometric. Oh my! Stratigraphic, <laughs> contextual. I can. I can iconographic and oh, textual data. Oh, is that like I've had a little less iconography? Yeah. yeah, iconography. Hey, Remember that's what? a Steve Schmidt. To yeah. me, I don't think yeah. there's any greater or more noble animal than the chicken. Like you get eggs. What's another word for that? What a noble? Oh, no, the big chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the roosters are laying the eggs. Although previous studies, what else do you word? say? <laughs> Although, what else is it about? <laughs> although previous studies have made claims for an early origin of chickens, our results suggest an unambiguous uh, results that chickens were not present until 1650 to 1250 BC in central Thailand. I mean, this is wait, terrible. Is that, is we're that, putting that, everybody to sleep with this. The, that's the gotta be negative. Part, that's wait. Is that is that a tilde? Is that like about 1650 to 1250? Is that a tilde? It is. It's a tilde. <laughs> that's not a dude. Do you know what a tilde is? It's it is. not a tilde. Dude, I, are you kidding? Isn't me? a tilde over a Spanish? N? It's over an N. I zoomed it's in. An N-ye. It's it's that's <laughs> not a tilde. That's like a, El Nino. That's a, that's, a, that's a little tilde. Day, ladies, like ladies, about and, ladies, roughly. And gen- <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, this segment was brought to you by Grey Goose Vodka and Old Scout. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing is, like, it's not, it's not like a negative sixteen fifty to twelve fifty BC, like around. That doesn't to, make it a tilde. Yeah, to, to me, it's mind blowing that like we're talking about chickens weren't around until roughly like sixteen fifty. Like, we was it King Henry was, he was no he was no like, no it's BCE man. You BCE. guys stop dorking out. The, 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 like, listen, the upshot of this story is that Americans appreciate big cocks. All right, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> You want more animal news? You're doing something serious. <laughs> How about Biden's Labor Department? Yeah. I mean, this is actually something worth talking this is about. A big, this is a big deal. Yeah, we, we so we covered this a little bit in terms of what California was doing, thanks mm-hmm. to the International Franchise Association, which after our previous segment, I think probably thinks twice about sponsoring our program again. But uh, it, it, it what we talked, what they were concerned about was what California was doing regulatorily to try to like make fast food franchises. Yeah, basically run by like a socialism board. Yeah, right. So, but this is the next step in that. And he, here's the thing. It, it's actually super important. Yes, this like, is. This setting, is very, very Setting important. the jokes aside here for a moment, moment, this is the kind of shit that you all should be very attuned to because this is what the modern left is trying to do. 
What they're trying to do, the U.S. Department of Labor is expected to unveil a proposal rule in coming weeks that would make it harder for companies to treat workers as independent contractors, potentially upending the gig economy and other industries that rely heavily on contract labor. Let me explain what that means to you. What that means is that Uber doesn't work. What it means is anything that you get on your phone, like any service, any food delivery, anything else, becomes extinct overnight because what they are have in mind is making every single one of the workers who sign up as independent contractors, who frankly is their livelihood, um, have to be an employee of the overarching umbrella company mm-hmm. and that it, does this. It goes beyond that. It goes be, like to the level that like if you're an individual and, and you want to start your own small business and you bill people as an independent contractor, they want a crackdown on you. Like this mm-hmm. affects so many Americans because th- th- there is no point more central to the left today than dependency on the government, right? So if you're an independent contractor, if you're deciding, you know, your own hours, what you're going to do with your own work, I start my own business, I'm going to run it myself by my rules, that's kind of a problem because right. like the more independent-minded you are is more anathema to the left than anything else. Right. It's that's also right. been long the target of of labor unions which as we know there's been an increasing disconnect between the hierarchy of professional labor and the actual people who do the work mm-hmm. and what they have in mind is a socialist by they i mean the leadership of these unions a socialist top-down government regulated mm-hmm. workforce schools are like such a perfect example of this is they do not want anyone to be an independent who, who decides and makes their own decisions, you have to be tied to someone who can then be unionized and force your decisions. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, th- this is happening in real time, uh, and they're, they're actually trying to make this a federal law. Thank God there is a split Congress right now, and hopefully a red wave will usher in a Republican uh, House and Senate that can put an end to this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But every opportunity that they get regulatorily or legislatively they're going to try to end independent contracting in this country and i can tell you a lot of you that are listening if you're a truck driver right now listening on the road it's you that's who we're talking about like your livelihood is in jeopardy because of this stuff and it it doesn't they don't give a shit whether or not you get a paycheck tomorrow what they want to make sure is the people who employ you pay a price for not kicking upstream to the Democratic Party. That's exactly it. That's what it no, is. That's very succinct. Dude, that, I mean, like that's it right there in a nutshell. That's what it is. All right, so let's move on. I, I think we have a one fun game. We have two fun games today. We do. We do. Let's so play much the, candy. Let's play. First of all, Kamala. Kamala. Let's just talk about Kamala. Let's 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 do V per V. Let's do V per V. Kamala is the V. Kamala is the V. Kamala is the V. Our weirdest song. <laughs> it's super weird, but it could be played at baseball games. So yeah, it's got that. Um, okay, so for our new listeners, Veep or Veep is where I read statements, uh, crazy statements that sound like the the person speaking them was on acid. Um, <laughs> And they are either from Selena Meyer from the hit HBO show Veep, 
which is obviously a comedy about Washington and the office of the vice presidency, or our actual vice president, Kamala Harris. This is more of a lightning round. I only have two statements here. Um, Lightning round. I will read the first one. The past was once the future. The future is, I should say, unknowable. (laughs) It is, in fact, unknowable. So I'm asking you to meet me at the station and join me as we board a train bound for a place called the future. No, 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 no. Can I ask... uh did Kamal? Did that rocket ever take off or whatever that like Kamal is responsible for? Like, remember she was like in charge of some like rocket mission. No, no, it hasn't. It hasn't. No. Are you serious? No. Still, like, like everything else in her career, it's still grounded. <laughs> it's still grounded. See, like that could be the rocket mission. All right, all right. Uh, statement number two. Today, the business of our work is for the council to report on the work. That has occurred since our last meeting across these areas. This is so insane. Those are the two statements. You got to tell me which one is Selena Meyer and which one is Kamala Harris. All right, let me turn around. Who's got a coin? (laughs) Camel's heads up. What do we got? Okay, first one, Selena. Okay. Well, I mean, that's not much of a... I, yeah, like a, yeah, I think you made your decision. No, I, I did make my decision. Here's the thing. I make my decision based upon that second sentence having the full adhesion to the Kamala maxim of filling words, meaningless words, to create a sentence... The illusion of a sentence. ...that makes no sense, uh-huh. right? And so, the, the, like, the first one's insane, no question which she could very easily have said. But the second one, it seems to me, is like the word filler that I look for in a telltale Kamala. You're, you're saying the uh, that has occurred since our last meeting across these areas. That's the time filler. Yes. And that's the that's the, the, the For me, giveaway. that's the tell. I mean, it's just, it's stunning. And, and I think I saw, uh, what, what are they doing? Julie Dreyfus just like tweeted about this. Oh yeah, the, oh my gosh, how do we not talk about yeah. this? So uh, the cast of Veep and the cast of uh, the West, West Wing. Wing. This is like, oh my god, they're doing a fundraiser. What's the over under on the number of White House staffers who can be there? Like they live for this. It's the perfect storm. It really is. They're so, doing a Democratic fundraiser. A, fun, a fundraiser for the Wisconsin Democratic Party. Oh. Ron John's gonna win that, which shit. is so Throw much your cringe. Money away. Dude, think about that. I mean, it's literally a perfect, perfect fit between the insanity of left-wing media culture. It is. Right. Like, their brains have been rotted by by the West Wing with a lack of the realization that, like, Veep has become completely real. Like, Kamala is <laughs> the realization of, of, like, the joke that Julie Louis-Dreyfus made. What an amazing deal. Yeah. Let's go, Ron John. You got to pull what, that out. Yeah. What are the guesses? What? What? Uh, you got mine locked in. So what is it? You are both correct. Yes. Are you ser- wow. Yeah. Good job. I, I like that. I like that Holmes put reason and thought into it, and I just like flipped the. Well, you're all about intuition and magic. <laughs> <laughs> intuition and magic has never let you down. No. Never once. News don't lie. <laughs> so let's just. I mean, let's just go right into our second game. Let's do it. We got to play Should King we? of the Hill. And again, for our new listeners, uh, King of the Hill is a game in which Josh and Smug find themselves a champion 
uh, one of these never Trump former conservatives who become a liberal or a talking head on cable news. And they pick three tweets and go head to head over three rounds. And I, as judge and jury, decide who is king of the hill. Um, so you have our champion, Sherry Jacobus, That's correct? Right. That's right. Brainworm queen. I mean, she might have to retire if she keeps winning. Um, Holmes, who do you bring to the table today? I'm going to go with the old faithful. I'm going to go with the male pattern. Matthew Dowd, back to the game. Okay, well, let's go ringside. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. It's time for King of the Hill. And in the red corner, out of an empty campaign office in Texas, fighting for a chance to reclaim his crown, Matthew Mail Pattern Down! <laughs> it's so good. And now, in the blue corner, fighting out of her own insane Twitter account, and current champion of the world, Kami Jerry Jacobus. Just threw his back in. I mean, he's the best. He's the best what he does. It's so good. It's so good. So uh, right off the bat, I'm going to play this like, you know, Joe Biden thing, Khrushchev is alive. I'm firing a nuke. Okay. Straight off the bat. Let's go. (laughs) I'm ready. Shay Jacobus, three days ago. Importantly, the Secret Service detail for then-VP-elect Kamala Harris, quote, missed the January 6th DNC pipe bomb in their sweep in advance of her non-public visit that day. What? Secret Service provided to her by the Trump administration were among few who knew Harris would be there. So, like, the madness has gotten to the point where she's like, Secret Service was in on it. And 100% wanted to detonate a pipe bomb to take out Kamala because they knew. I mean, she's just like, girl boss, the future. <laughs> and, I, and it gets even better. Well, the icing on the cake. She retweeted herself. She retweeted herself. <laughs> I knew it before you even turned she's the like, phone around. She's like, my take is so insane, I got to make sure everyone sees this. <laughs> mm. What are you going to do here, Holmes? <laughs> I mean, Trump instructing the Secret Service to pipe bomb Kamala is kind of fucking up there. I mean, <laughs> you have to throw yourself at the mercy of the court. <laughs> I'm going to take a different tact. Okay. I'm, gonna, I can't, I'm not going to fight fire with fire. I'm going to go for a logic take. Surrender. Okay. That's just surrender. No, it's not. It's a very, very strong take. But it's different. Strategic retreats are still retreats. Well, look, I feel like pure insanity does have a shelf life. And I feel like like intellectual insanity at some level has a marketplace. Okay. Okay. My fellow Texans concerned about the border issue. What party is governor and two senators? And exactly what have they done on getting immigration reform accomplished while they've been in office. Multiple choice. One, nothing. Two, made it worse. Three, blame others. Four, all of the above. 
Oh, that's awesome. This is like such a weak take. That's like random boomer reply. Dude, there is nothing weak about the fact that this asshole who lives in Texas actually thinks that Greg Abbott He's to is to blame for the border crisis. That's, that's Never like, mind the fact that like two and a half years ago, we were totally completely safe with a remain in Mexico policy and a wall being built. This guy dismantled both of those things, has never spoken to Greg Abbott. Remember, we had right. him on the program. Right. Never spoken to the border congressman there. Right. Reversed all those policies and ultimately, like, ushered them there all are, in. To, to, like, any tweet. They're, the, like, they're to blame. That, that CBS or anyone puts out, there's 100 boomers with their, like, pronouns and a Ukraine flag who have the same take. It's the most, like, milk toast. Not to mention. Standard bullshit. Not to mention immigration, obviously, is a federal issue. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, which every lib will remind you when every Republican governor does something good to help stop right. legal immigration. I mean, to compare that to Sherry being like, yes, Trump told the Secret Service to pipe bomb Kamala. It's, that's the thing. Is it, just, <laughs> it just can't compete with the pipe bomb conspiracy take. Sherry wins round Let's one. Let's go. I'll be frank with you. I threw round one. Okay. Oh, I'm. I'm. I have. Okay. I have so much ammo here. I. I. Uh, I. I had something else loaded up. I didn't know pipe bombing Kamala <laughs> was going to be coming at me, so I had to. Uh, I had to adjust. Yeah. For 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 the FBI, if you're listening to this episode, pipe bombing Kamala. That was a tweet from Sherry Jacobus. That was not from Ruthless Variety. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And also, Jeez, Ashford I feel like goes we do to, need to clarify. Ashford yeah. goes to PTA meeting, so please just follow him and. <laughs> Yeah. No, I mean, he's, he's a dangerous parent. <laughs> All right. So uh, let me respond in kind. Okay. We are much better off with a smaller military and smaller police forces that don't include white nationalists. Fucking good night. <laughs> okay, dude, that here, here's. I'm gonna. Sh- I'm gonna. I am going to fight fire with fire, because here's the thing: is Sherry does the two round knockouts, like you. you like there's no way you could. Like do that. It, it, you know, I'm. I'm actually going to help Holmes and give him the advice that like with Sherry you have to go just like two nukes up front. You have to bring the best stuff, because chances are, like in this situation, she can fight fire with fire. Sherry three days ago quote retweets Fox News. Fox News says Hillary Clinton compares. Trump's Ohio event to a Nazi rally. Sherry, she's right. Mm. Hmm. Feels white nationalism versus yeah, Nazi event. I mean, look. <clears throat> look. Okay. I feel two like words, two rounds. That's how Sherry wins. They're say- this guy's saying that our military and cop uh, are white nationalists entirely. Like, I mean, come on. So I'm sure you, I don't know if you talk about this with Jim Schultz, but the uh, the Minneapolis police force has been halved in like three years. Yep, we talked about it. Uh, you think Matthew Dowd thinks that's They're a good thing? That the, half the police force were white nationalists. Yeah, it's just incredible. It, I mean, it's just it's, it's just incredible. No, the the American military. Yeah, the American military are full of white. This nationalists. guy worked for George Bush. I don't like. And How I, is that? Happen? I don't have the stats in front of me, but like a significant portion of our military is not white people. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. What is he talking about? I mean, beyond that, the fact that like Sherry as as a Republican, former Republican communicator, 
gives Hillary Clinton a shout out in two words. She's right. Hmm. The Trump rally was it's a Nazi good, event. It's good and it's crazy. But I it's think not for that Sherry, crazy. it's weak though, and compared to what Dow just offered up, I think that's one to one. Final round. Let's go. All right, this is tough. Uh, I got. I, I have a lot of firepower. Um, I think this this is important because this is not just like Sherry being crazy, but I think timely. And I think a, a big problem that a lot of folks on the left have is when they try to dunk, it's insanely tone deaf. Because like, how do you defend the policies of the left, which is the whole problem that all their candidates have? Like, they, they absolutely can't run on like the Joe Biden Dem majority record. So uh, a lot of people know this guy. He's he, he's he's just like random asshole who always tweets out dem talking points. Uh, Asin A C Y N A C Y N A C Y N Asin just Asin around. Uh, Hannity. He's quoting Hannity. Are you better off than you were before Joe Biden took office, Sherry? Yes. I mean, I feel like that's There's got to be standard. a wild like, market for feel, dropping insane fucking takes. I feel like Joe Biden shout out, that. Shout out for Sherry being like, yes. <laughs> Shats. Interest would've, rates. Would've tweeted that. Interest rates going through the roof. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> We've got troops on food stamps. Sherry, yes. Doing great. Is, HHS Secretary Pereira could have tweeted that. Okay. Point what of, do you, what do you of, got, Point Holmes? of inquiry. Point of okay. inquiry. Are we sure that Kami Sherry Jacobus is a real person and not a burner for like <laughs> right? Dr. Jill Biden? I mean, do, that's do the thing. Know? It's gotten to that point. Do we know? I mean, I, I can't think of a better superlative for why she should win. Okay. Let me just bring it home. She could be Jill Biden. We're gonna conf- <laughs> we're gonna conflate a bunch of issues into why you're concerned about them. Uh, you should only have a left wing take. Which is the perfect, perfect Republican term Democrat construct. I mean, this is like, for me, this is a symphony. We'll see what the judge and jury thinks. You can't talk about gun violence unless you also talk about too many guns available. You can't talk about hurricanes unless you talk about climate change. You can't talk about health care unless you also talk about a woman's health care freedom. <laughs> Here's the Let's thing back that off for a minute. He took, you can't talk he about spent, kids getting killed in a school and what you can do to prevent that unless it can, includes gun control. That's, a five, that's 500 talk. words to convey less than half of what Sherry did in one. No. Yes. You can't talk. Yes. You can't. And this is the modern left in a nutshell that we talk about in the variety If you program. want in a nutshell, that's one word, you not an essay. talk. This guy just loves the sound of his own voice. About hurricanes. Can't mention it. Can't mention your concern for your family in Southwest Florida tonight. Right. You can't mention it. Right. Without talking about climate change. Yeah. You can't talk about health care in the United States of America, whether it's a heart transplant or cancer therapy, unless you talk about abortion. <laughs> That's this guy's take. I mean, it's, that, my friends, is perfection, and I rest my goddamn case. Brevity is the soul of wit for a very specific reason. I mean, this guy spent half an essay to convey less than half of what Sherry can drop in a yes period. 
All right. So, I mean, if if this was a restaurant and we were or we were on Top Chef, and, and, you and, guys and, were chefs. And competing. one last thing I gotta say is like the hey, fact that it was the judging. He's gonna interrupt me. He interrupted the well, judging. Well, I just right in the middle of the verdict. I just gotta point out it was like super boomer and out of control that she dropped it with like an like, like, yes, not period. even capitalized. Yes, That's not period. even capitalized. It's just like lowercase yes period. No, a grammatical, a grammatical critique. If you it's guys, cute. if you guys were were chefs and we were com- you were competing on Top Chef, and I was what, Gordon Ramsay or whatever the celebrity judges are or whatever, and you had provided me three dishes, an ap- appetizer, a main course, and a dessert, Holmes, I found your appetizer lacking in creativity, but your main course and your dessert were a symphony of flavor. <laughs> <laughs> And Smug brought me the best appetizer. You know, he brought me the Bang Bang Shrimp. They were fantastic. They were flavorful. And the rest of it was dog shit. Holmes wins. <laughs> that's a fair analysis. The judge and jury yeah, great is undefeated. <laughs> and the thing is that, like, the Bang Bang Shrimp is ridiculous. I, I highly recommend it. Every, if it's on the menu... You gotta hit it. It was a great pull. I love the Bang Bang Shrimp. I also want credit for throwing the first round so I could get into the second. You gotta do it. A strategic move, the likes of which we haven't seen. This guy's on the top of his game. I love it. Let's go to Jim Schultz. Our next guest on the program, you probably haven't heard his name before, but if you are interested in pushing back on the just radical ideology of defund the police... Uh, you can look no further than Jim Schultz, who's running against Keith Ellison. Now, for those of you who followed the program, you know we've talked about this guy a lot over the years. When he was a congressman, he was basically like captain of the squad before the squad itself. He is a radicals radical, and he was elected attorney general in Minnesota. And lo and behold, uh, all of a sudden, Minnesota becomes the basically the crime capital, it seems like, and, and sort of the center of the defund the police movement. Uh, across this country, but I want to welcome the guy who's going to put an end to all of that, Jim Schultz. Well, thanks, Josh. It's great to be with you. And um, and you're right. I mean, Minneapolis, sadly, was kind of the launching point for the defund the police movement in 2020. And we, and Keith Ellison was at the forefront of it. And we've seen the consequences of it. 100 murders in Minneapolis last year, comparable numbers this year, and you know, serious crime in St. Paul and the suburbs and otherwise. And the human toll is extraordinary, and it's an absolute outrage. That's a big reason why I got into this race. Well, absolutely. And I I think, look, we've all been acquainted about how Minneapolis has led the charge sort of against law enforcement and was the center of the defund the police movement, Uh, the bail funds and all the things we've talked about at at a national level. But Ellison, who's, you know, ostensibly the chief law enforcement officer of the state, has basically made uh, cops a bigger target than offenders themselves. Well, that's right. That's right. I mean, we, um, we, it's, it's remarkable. On the one hand, 
he backs defunding the police. On the one hand, he he uh, get, prosecutes a woman named Kimberly Potter for um, for a serious mistake, upcharges her, you know, pursues her as aggressive, much more aggressively than he's sued that he's pursued any um, any any um, real criminal in our uh, in our state. And it's just representative of what is happening, you know, in Minnesota, all around the country, whether it be in Chicago or Baltimore or San Francisco. And we're seeing the human toll of it. I mean, this is, you know, sometimes you get caught up in the stats, you know, you know, 650 carjackings in Minneapolis just last year. Um, but these, there's extraordinary human toll here. My own sister lives in North Minneapolis, a really horrendous, uh, what's become a horrendous neighborhood, where it's become an, a shooting gallery. She had a gunfight on her front lawn. That left multiple bullet holes in her home. I still remember her her calling me crying that uh, that morning. And the human toll of this is extraordinary, and it's an absolute disgrace. An absolute disgrace that we have so many so-called leaders, whether they be Keith Ellison or uh, Ch- Chesa Budin in, in San Francisco or otherwise, who have embraced these policies that have led to such violence and destruction on our streets. You know, sometimes people talk about the default on the police movement as though it's, it's dumb or something like that. And it is dumb, but it's also immoral. It is immoral to embrace policies that lead to such violence and crime on our streets. And we have to ensure that we have responsible public safety policies to ensure that criminals spend time in prison and that, uh, and that we protect people on, on our streets. Well, it seems like law enforcement is speaking loud and clear on this. I saw that the uh, Minnesota sheriff's endorsed you. I mean, endorsing against a sitting attorney general by any uh, law enforcement organization is a big thing, right? I mean, it it sends a a very clear message. I got to imagine that the uh, all the folks with badges in in blue across the state are are welcoming your candidacy. Yes, absolutely. And it's one of the great honors of of my my life to be backed by the main police organization in the state, the Minnesota Police and Peace Officers Association, over 22 sheriffs across the state. Um, We're going to be rolling out many more. That's unprecedented. You know, sheriffs usually, as you allude to, sit totally on the sidelines because they're usually non, they're nonpartisan and, um, and they just usually don't get involved in races like this. But they feel like we're at an incredibly precarious moment for our state. They feel every day like there's a target on their backs, that they don't know the standards that, that um, they'll be held to. And they, they, and they, you know, they want to be held to standards. They're not, they're not saying that they, that, you know, police who commit wrongdoing shouldn't be prosecuted. What they are saying is that the standards have to be applied justly, have to be applied across the board and that they've got to be supported by, um, by, by public officials. You know, part of the reason we've had such attrition in our police forces around the country is that, Police have been slandered, maligned, vilified by public officials, and that is an absolute outrage. We have to ensure that we're supporting law enforcement, that we're articulating that they are critical to the future of our of, of Minnesota and Minnesota, and are critical to the future of our country. And you know, as Attorney General, I'm certainly going to have their back every day of the week. Well, I, I really think that this is the number one place to for conservatives to send a message against. This sort of progressive anti-cop, anti-law enforcement, non-prosecution of crime. I mean, yeah. you know, we saw what happened in San Francisco a few a few months ago, I guess, when when unbelievably a very progressive community had to throw the bums out mentality. Uh, yeah. How's that going in Minnesota? I got to imagine. I mean, look, yeah. it's a blue it's a blue state, but there's reasonable yeah. people there, and then, and then safety yeah. and security, particularly for people who work in the downtown communities or or like to go to Vikings games or twins games or anything else. They're now afraid of that. I got to imagine that's resonating pretty deeply. 
No, that's right. That's right. I mean, we're on track to win this race. The polling in the race has us up by a couple points at this um, at this point. You know, Allison's kind of stuck in the mid forties, and of course, that's a terrible, <laughs> terrible spot to be in as an incumbent, as you as you know well, Josh. And and so we're on track to win. We just have to keep working hard, keep delivering the message, and um, we're gonna you know we're gonna make sure that we get it done. I tell my team, you know, failure is not an option. You know, failure is not an option. We have to win for the future of our state, for our kids, our grandkids. And, um, and we're going to make sure we work our tails off to do it. Um, well, I have no doubt about that. You are working your tail off. The first time we met you uh, is when you came, showed up as a friend of the program at yes. uh, our Minnesota, both Minnesota events, uh, yes. an event the night before, and then our, our big deal on the lake. Yes. And it was good yes. to see you. And there was a lot of support for you out there. Yeah, well, it was great. To, it was wonderful to have you in uh, in in Minnesota. It was really uh, great to meet you, to meet you guys, and of course, to welcome you home, Josh, as a uh, as a Minnesota a Minnesota guy. We both um, worked for Norm Coleman. I spent uh, I spent just working for him as an intern when I was in college. But uh, but um, we um, we've got that in common, and uh, and you know, as you you know, I, I know you love the state. I love the state. I'm a I'm a fifth generation Minnesotan. I uh, I my great great grandfather came to the state in 1875. It was mm. very early a state at that point, and I love the state. And I feel like you know, so many Minnesotans, and you've alluded to it. So many Minnesotans feel like they're losing the state they know and love because of the crime, because of the taxes or regulation. Um, just this past, uh, just this past week, there were 49 indictments um, related to the largest pandemic related fraud in the entire country, $250 million stolen from, um, from a, a program meant for to feed hungry kids, $250 million. Unbelievable. The attorney general's office, Keith Ellison was completely absent. And so just things like that, the crime, the incompetence, the um, far left politics that a lot of people just feel like they are losing the state they've, they've known. And we're, we're going to turn it around in 2022. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that. I saw that those those uh, indictments made uh, federally, but it seemed yeah. like it came as news to the attorney general. He probably heard about it in the newspaper. Right. And all of this was sort of happening underneath his nose i i think i think look we're going to find more of this across the country but what's very clear is that leaders like keith ellison turn a very blind eye to anyone who they sort of think is in their own constituency right and and i think this is this is a perfect like pandemic fraud is a perfect example of something that somebody like you would have your ear to the ground on and this guy was just completely absent yeah, absolutely. Completely missing in action. Um, you know, I've, yeah, I, I, this would absolutely be a priority. I've rolled out a plan to deal with nonprofit fraud in our state. The Attorney General's Office in Minnesota oversees all nonprofits. It represented the Department of Education, which was distributing these, um, these, this money. Um, it's unbelievable. They, no, they, were, they had enough confidence that there was fraud going on that they notified the FBI and still doled out $200 million <laughs> to the fraudulent entity. Just unbelievable incompetence truly unbelievable. And, um, and I do think, as you alluded to, I mean, there's so much money getting pushed out through COVID that, um, that um, there's going to be a, you know, a lot of bad actors. And we have to ensure that public officials can fulfill their responsibilities to protect taxpayer dollars, to ensure that, you know, all the wonderful nonprofits are all around the country that do wonderful work, we're, we're, we, you know, that, all, that they can do their work and that everybody was complying with applicable law. And, um, and in Minnesota, you know, it's exhibit A for, um, for, for failure and Keith Ellison's at the, um, at the top of it. Well, you, you know what I like about you? And for those of you in our audience who basically follow federal politics, because you listen to this program and you, and you look at things from a national scope, 
my perspective all along is that the serious sort of next generation of leaders in this country, by and large, end up running for attorney general at some point first, because you're serious people, you take the law seriously. It's not necessarily the case from the Democratic side, but in the Republican side, you got to have a respect for the law and law enforcement if you're going to make any progress in politics. And it all sort of starts with what you're aiming to do. I'm curious, how, when did you get into politics? How, how was it interesting to you? I mean, was this just sort of a, a something that you decided man, my community's going to hell in a handbasket and I got to get involved? Yeah, yeah. Well, for me personally, this in this race made just kind of zero sense from a personal perspective. I had a very comfortable job in the <laughs> private sector. I have three little girls. They're seven, three, and one, and I haven't slept for a few years. And uh, my wife and Molly and I, um, you know, in a lot of ways, it just did not, not make sense. Um, but my wife, we're people of faith. We felt called to step forward. We felt, as I mentioned earlier, like we were just losing the state. We had, we had no one in love. We just felt like we had to that we had to step forward at this critical moment for our state, for our country, frankly. And, um, and so we, so we did, um, we, um, I was, you know, I just had good, good fortune to get connected with some, some really wonderful people who could help me, help me out as you know, in politics, you know, having the right people around you, you, Josh is incredibly important. And, you know, we're, we're, I'm very proud of the campaign we run. We're on track to make history. And, you know, that this is, will be the first time a Republican candidate, wins the attorney general's office in 56 years. Uh, we've got to make sure we get it done. It's really going to be historical for the state of Minnesota and incredibly important. I think just to send a message nationwide, send a message nationwide that to defund the police, these reckless soft on crime policies that have delivered such crime and violence to our country, to our inner cities, to um, our urban areas, you know, are absolutely unacceptable and an absolute disgrace. Yeah, I, I can't think of a place, and I've said it twice, but I can't think of a place nationwide that is more a referendum on defund the police and progressive yeah. ideology when it comes to crime than, than the race that you're in. Yeah. And I know that our, 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 all of our listeners are keenly interested in that. Uh, l- let me get local for you uh, for a minute. I imagine you're putting a lot of miles on the car, huh? <laughs> yes, we uh, we did. I, you know, it's Minnesota's a big state. And sometimes it's sometimes it's forgotten. Uh, but um, you know, to get up to Northwest Minnesota from the Twin Cities, you know, four and a half hours or so in the in the five weeks leading up to the primary, I put on eight thousand miles around the state. You know, I, did, I, did, I looked it up. You know, the United States is twenty five hundred miles wide. I do not, or twenty eight hundred miles wide. I don't know how I put on that many miles through the course of the uh, primary, but I'm certainly uh, I did and um, and continuing to put on miles all around the state. You know, people are people are fed up. And uh, I'll tell you, you know, whether it be in Duluth or Rochester or the Twin Cities or in in, in greater Minnesota, people are, are fed up and we're we're working hard to um, to, to make sure we uh, we do we do get it done. I grew up in in, in greater Minnesota, a tiny town of 186 people. Um, so I thought I knew the uh, the state, you know, the kind of greater Minnesota in particular super well. And I knew it. OK, but boy, you know, running this race, I'm uh, getting to know it in a completely new way. And it, it is it's really it's, just, it's a wonderful state wonderful people, you know, and people just, you know, want the best for their families or they want to be safe. They want to um, have the opportunities. Uh, they want to give their kids the opportunities that they had. And um, it's really just been a wonderful experience. And it's all fun and games when you're doing it in June, July, and August, right? But like, yeah, yeah. You know, now that we're <laughs> mid-September, you got your park already? 
Yeah, that's right. That's right. Exactly. That's right. Well, I'll tell you, you know, I got into the race in December and was driving up to the Canadian border to Roseau and, uh, and, and so forth. It was, uh, you know, and the sun goes down at 4 PM and, uh, it was dark. It was a, uh, it was certainly, uh, you know, nothing, nothing glamorous about, uh, about it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we're preparing to roll out the uh, parkas and earmuffs and all that here as we, uh, as we head into the, uh, as we head into the fall here. And the, the state has shifted a bit. I mean, it used to be in order for a Republican to win, you had to super overperform in the suburbs because you had to offset the iron range and you know in much of the the western part of the state we saw in the last three years that is totally flipped and the iron range and southern minnesota have become strongholds as is farm country all on the western side yeah. um I, you know what's your your takeaway from sort of the changing demographic of, of people who are you know longtime dfl democrats who are all of a sudden becoming republicans yeah, it's remarkable. Yeah, as you know, that you know, Minnesota it's not the Democrat Party; it's a Democrat Farmer Labor Party. You know, historically it was the you know the miners up north, and then a lot of farmers in Greater Minnesota, and now. You know that's that's kind of way. There's really no you know farmers or, or laborers who are the Democrat coalition or very few anyway. Um, you know the, the moderate, yeah they're gonna have to know. change the name of that of that sucker right. Yeah, it's like the right. Democrat yeah. Union boss party because <laughs> like right. the actual laborers and actual farmers are nowhere near yeah. the Democratic Party. Exactly. Exactly. In fact, I'll be endorsed by a major trades union here, um, here um, the next day or so. And um, yeah, they, um, you know, they're coming over to the Republican coalition because they they, they see that the Democrats don't represent their uh, their values anymore. Whether it be you know you know you know encroaching upon their um, their um, you know you know wanting to make a living in, in mining or otherwise, or farmers dealing with hyper regulation from um, from the federal government, from the state government. You know, you just there's so many different things, and then of course just how you know crazy woke that uh, so many on the um, on the Democrat side have um, have become, and so they're they're falling away. They're coming in our camp. We've got to make sure that we you know. So the key for us is. You know, having I think we'll have historic margins in Greater Minnesota. Um, Keith Ellison's deeply disliked um, throughout the state, um, and then in the, in the suburbs, we got to flip some of those, some of those that have kind of trended blue in recent years. And then we just gotta, we just gotta close the gap in kind of Minneapolis, St. Paul. And I'll tell you, people in Minneapolis and St. Paul are are fed up. They are just fed up by the crime. They're fed up by, you know, by bolt by by gunshots be outside their windows, by the carjackings, by the theft. I mean, it really is remarkable. Um, and uh, and we're, you know, people are just ready to, um, they're ready for change, and we're going to deliver it. It's look, it's easy to believe. I've always been aghast at how some of these communities continue to vote democratic and it's party, you know, partly probably be just because of the infrastructure of the democratic party in urban areas, but there's nobody that suffers more than the people in those districts in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and in cities across this country. You got to imagine at some point when you, your family and friends are victims of violent (laughs) crime on an ongoing basis you might be ready to turn the page and do something different. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, and folks certainly are, folks certainly are. I mean, we're, people are just, you know, coming there's, as you won't believe the number of Democrats who have reached out to us and said, you know, look, you know, I, I never voted for a Republican before, but I'm voting for you because we want to be safe again. Um, because you're a Republican, I can I, I, I can get behind because we just feel like we're, you know, we, we can't go on like we currently are in our state. And we can't have an attorney general, as you alluded to, the chief law enforcement officer of our state, back defunding the police and wanting to get rid of the Minneapolis Police Department. I mean, this is truly kooky stuff and um, and people recognize it. And um, and we've got to, you know, we've got to make sure we um, continue to um, to reach out to them because people are um, people are ready to move on. And, um, and whether it be in Minneapolis or Moorhead or, or elsewhere. 
Well, we all thank you for your effort and your willingness to get in the arena because Lord knows it's not a diff, not an easy thing, uh, particularly in Minnesota that has just got a reputation of of going blue. But I really do think you've got a good shot here. Jim, I, I, I'm going to have to ask you the three big questions that everybody pays attention to. I'm ready. I, I'm ready. I know, listen, as a loyal listener of the program, right. I, uh, I know you know what's coming. So. I've been reflecting on these for for uh, for years, Josh. Listening to the program, you know how would I how would I answer it here? So I am I am ready to go. <laughs> Good. All right. Well, let's start with the last meal on Earth. So it's it's um it's pretty uh pretty straight straightforward. Um, in Minnesota here, the state fish is the the walleye. Incredible fish. Um, you know, breaded. Um, I actually even shipped some over to you to you guys, Josh, for you guys to. Uh, to enjoy, I thought you know, be a, be a, a a gift that you guys would appreciate, and you could um you know show show about the rest of the uh, of the the guys in the program um what uh, what walleye is like if they haven't had it. And, of course, uh, and listen, I got to yeah. thank you. It has been uh so I used to go fishing in you know Minnesota and into Canada, and walleye is like you yeah. know what you fish for. But it's been a few years with COVID and everything else. I haven't been able to go do it. So you are a lifesaver at sending some of that yeah. stuff over. I'm gonna teach. I'm gonna teach the fellas exactly what it is to make a good uh, piece of fish. Well, that, that's good. That's good. I'm glad. I'm glad to to, to help you out there. And uh, yeah, so I just do, do walleye, mashed potatoes. Um, you know, and a nice uh, a nice um, blonde ale, maybe from Excelsior Brewing in uh, Excelsior, Minnesota. Um, and uh, you know, I think I think that would be uh, get it done for me for my for my last meal. That sounds pretty good. You should probably mix in a corn on the cob though, just for the Western. Oh, fun, right? uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 perfect. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Throw one of those in. Not bad. No, it's a good choice. It's a good choice. And it's, you know, relatively healthy, all things considered, depending yeah. on how you make your fish. But uh, that's, that's right. good. That's right. exactly. so, so, Jim, let's let's back this off because obviously you're you're this is your first time getting in one one of these. And so, you know, your career in politics is is just getting started. Um, if you never became an attorney, right? And you have this sort of professional uh blue sky in front of you, yeah. you can fill it with anything you want. Well, what do you think it would be? Yeah, you know, I um, actually in college, you know, actually, kind of a funny, funny story. I, I started actually in college, actually in, in seminary at the University of St. Thomas in uh, in St. Paul, Minnesota, and um, and I left left. Um, I you know had a couple wonderful years, concluded I wasn't called to it, and and moved on. And actually, I thought at the time somewhat seriously about. Um, about just dropping out and going, I, I really like working with my hands and being outside. I did it a lot growing up. I worked on some hobby farms, um, worked on, you know, doing, uh, doing that. And I seriously thought actually, I didn't, I didn't get too far along, but that, you know, like doing landscaping or something like that, just being outside, working with your hands, you know, it's a hard job. You don't want to like over, you know, you don't want to, you know, you know, glorify, you know, you don't want to um, have uh, be naive about it, but, um, but just being outside as an attorney, you know, you spend your days, you know, staring at the computer. <laughs> yeah, I imagine that it's some uh, resonance after you're sitting in front of a desk for exactly all hours. Right. So, so I, I would, uh, I think I would definitely, uh, definitely look, like, look at something like that. That is if I, prior to, I'd say one other thing, I thought at one point in my life, I was going to be a professional runner um, and then um, a professional distance runner. And I, I really was super into running. And uh, unfortunately my um, lack of, um, of, of uh, you know, became an okay runner, but not one that uh, could, um, could uh, be, become a pro. And so, you know, you know, maybe if, uh, you know, if that was possible, maybe I'd look at, look at that. But, I uh, think your, but, your knees probably thank you for that. decision. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's, right. that's, that's right. a tough one. Exactly. Uh, yeah. 
All right. So the third question, you know what it is. Thrill of victory, agony of defeat. Obviously, nobody likes losing, but you know what? It goes to the motivation and and whether or not you're uh, motivated by the sunny optimist or that you're making sure that every setback you've ever had in life is what fuels you to go forward. Yeah, I would definitely say, uh, say agony of defeat a thousand percent. <laughs> I, um, I, uh, yeah, you, I think you heard, I've heard you say before, you know, carry defeats like a backpack and, yeah. um, and, uh, and absolutely, absolutely. I, I still remember, and I mentioned I was a runner. I still remember, you know, stumbling in the last, uh, you know, a hundred meters of the, of the mile race in the seventh grade and taking second place in the conference meet. I mean, this was, uh, you know, I still, still carry around my losses and, um, and I, I really, really hate losing. And, uh, and so, um, so I feel yeah, like no. successful Minnesotans over index on the agony. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's right. That's right. It's the, you know, I don't know if it's the, the Scandinavian or the German or what, but uh, we can be a little, um, a little uh, fatalistic, maybe. But you're positive people, but if you come across them, man, they just don't forget it, do they? That's true. That's very true. It's very true. <laughs> Well, listen, Jim Schultz, we wish you all the best. Uh, If our listeners uh, can help you out, where do they go? Yeah, thanks, Josh. It's jim4mnag.com, jim4mnag.com. People can donate there. This is an incredibly important moment for uh, for the state of Minnesota and frankly, I think for the country to send a message that these reckless defunding the police policies that have just destroyed so many communities, taken so many lives, are absolutely unacceptable. And I uh, would really appreciate the support that can, people can uh, can provide. And um, you can follow us on Twitter at Jim, F-O-R-M-N as well. Awesome. Well, very well said. Jim Schultz, good luck to you out there. And we'll be following you along the way. Thank you very much, Josh. A pleasure to be with you. Take care. Man, this guy needs to win. He not only... Should he win? Not only is he going to win, he needs. I mean, for to the win. health of our country, it sends a message to literally everywhere. In the same way that 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 Chesa Boudin losing exactly in San Francisco, this is in that same category. It sends a message to the rest of the country. We will not put up with this bullshit. Like the reason I cry about it so much is because the insidious, horrible things that these left wing dark money groups have unleashed getting these AGs elected and trying to like uh, uh, stack the Supreme Court, this is the result. You end up with these DAs who legalize crime. Keith Ellison is a prime example. That's why we got to get rid of them. And they hurt the communities they pretend to speak for. Bingo. You know, the black and brown communities, underprivileged communities, underserved communities, and inner cities get hurt the most by these policies that I think are liberating people. It's disgusting. 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 Fellas, what a great episode. High energy. Great stuff. High again, energy. again, thoughts, prayers. I don't mean it to be at all cliche. Because I mean you've it, got skin in the game. You've got family. There. I mean it like sincerely. Everyone in Southwest Florida, take care tonight. Be take safe. care. And, and we're all going to be there for you on the backside. Stay safe. 100%. And if I may say so myself, absolute banger of an episode gentlemen thank you so much to our listeners uh and again our prayers and thoughts are with the folks in florida so until next time minions keep the faith hold the line and own the libs we'll see you on tuesday stay ruthless